Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyer, your host. We're in the second Sunday of Lent in the Byzantine liturgical calendar. On this Sunday, there is a theme, as there is in all the Sundays, and even the Sundays leading up to Lent. And the theme basically is a remembrance of Gregory Palamas, St. Gregory Palamas, who is what we call a hesychist. He brought in what was called the hesychist spirituality. This is a spirituality of, basically a spirituality of science, of quiet, of contemplation, of being able to have, in a sense, an apophatic contemplative experience of prayer of God through a deep sense of silence, a deep sense of meditation, contemplation, and also the use of what we know today is the Jesus prayer. Jesus prayer has become a very effective and widely used popular prayer, especially now during Lent in the Eastern churches. It's also used by people beyond the Eastern churches, but in particular the Eastern churches, and most particularly the monastics, the monks. Sometimes you look at an Eastern monk, you'll see something wrapped around their wrist. And that is what's called the chotki. There's other names for it too. We call it chotki. It's the Jesus prayer beads, or basically Jesus prayer knots. It's usually a cord in which there are knots made on the cord from that single cord. It can be different numbers, such as 30, 50, 100. And those knots are woven on that cord and each knot represents, it's something like a rosary, only it's to Jesus. It represents the prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And at the end of the prayer knots is a cross also woven from that single cord. And at the end of the cross, the very bottom tip of it, the cord is frayed, purposely frayed, because it makes a little instrument by which the person saying the Jesus prayer wipes the tears from their eyes, the tears of repentance, that if you're praying this prayer deep enough and sincerely enough, you may in fact be moved to repentance because you have touched so deeply in your heart, your soul through prayer, the person of Jesus Christ, his presence within you, the knowledge of that. And anytime we get close to God, 
in our prayer, our meditation, contemplation, mystical experiences, there's always a profound sense, not only of ecstasy, of glory and joy and awe, but also of our smallness, our sinfulness in light of so deep and beautiful a God, a God who is true, good, and beautiful. So it has a double effect when we pray deeply, especially to Christ, and especially in a penitential way. It has the effect of coming into that glory, that intimacy with God, but also the sense of our sinfulness in light of so great a God. It's always that both and spirituality we talk a lot about here, very much a part of Eastern spirituality. It's also why we call Lent the bright sadness. So just as with our repentance, our penthos, as we call it, using the Jesus prayer, we come into that deep sense of Christ within us, that deep sense of of peace. And the way that this prayer is done, it's a very simple prayer, but it's done in a way that makes it very profound. Ideally, you pray it by synchronizing the words with your breathing. You would breathe in and say, Lord Jesus Christ, and breathe out, Son of God. Breathe in, have mercy on me, breathe out, a sinner. Something like that. It can be a little bit different pattern, but basically it's breathing in and out very naturally, very easily, but putting the words of the prayer on our breath, our inhaling and our exhaling. So in this way, we arrive at what the Eastern spirituality calls us to. It calls us to not just to pray, you know, to do prayers, but to become prayer. So the very name of Jesus Christ is on our very breath, not only our lips, but our breath, our mind, our heart. And the great monastics that practice this Jesus prayer would say that if you pray it deeply enough, which they did all during the day, you actually transcend even any image of Christ because that that union with Christ, I call it apophatic. Apophatic means coming to know something by what we do not know. In other words, the experience of God is there yet so beyond us, and that's what makes it real. What makes it real is what we, in a sense, don't know directly. I know it's a little bit of a brain twister, but it's that point you come to where you just sense God beyond all senses, beyond all definition, very much a part of the Eastern spirituality that always is striving to attain that sense of the other life, the mystical. And then we're not talking about something spooky here, heretical or unreal. We're simply talking about deep, focused prayer and contemplation. And that is the point of prayer, so that we become prayer and we become intimate with God. If you become intimate with God through prayer, you're naturally going to be touched very deeply in your soul, in your heart, with a sense of, of this incredible love, intimacy, glory, magnificence of God. This is not something you strive for purposely. You simply strive to pray the Jesus prayer sincerely and with great compunction. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Though Those words, although short and simple, are very profound. Lord Jesus Christ, we're acknowledging Christ as our Lord. Jesus Christ, Son of God, acknowledge him as the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. He's not just a prophet, not just a holy person or a saint. He's the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity that became incarnate. So we are already proclaiming our faith in this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. We're proclaiming his mercy, that we can dare beg his mercy. Have mercy on me, a sinner. 
We're acknowledging ourselves of sinner. We're acknowledging ourselves as a sinner. So you see, each piece of this simple phrase, a simple prayer, is proclaiming something profound. Acknowledging God, acknowledging his Lord, acknowledging his mercy, acknowledging our sinfulness. And this is why the monks used this prayer, and it became widely used in the Byzantine church, but it came basically from these hesychists, which means, it's a word that basically means silence, this kind of silent, deep, contemplative, repetitive prayer, in which we then get an experience of what they call the light of Tabor. In other words, we become enlightened by reaching that point of deep prayer within us. In the Western church, there's something similar with, I think, the practice of Eucharistic adoration. Eucharistic adoration is, is what? It's basically people sitting in the presence of the Eucharist in quiet contemplation and prayer. And many marvelous things have come from that kind of prayer for Latin Rite Catholics. In the Eastern churches, we don't have, per se, the practice of Eucharistic <laughs> adoration. We do have the practice of sitting in a church quietly where the presence of the Eucharist is in the tabernacle in Eastern churches. It's always in the tabernacle, which is on the altar. And also Christ's presence in the icons. So the sense of being quiet in the presence of God, whether it's in the Eucharist in the monstrance, in a chapel, in Eucharistic adoration, or whether it is in a church with icons and the tabernacle on the altar. Either way, you're arriving at the same point. You're arriving at a certain prayer, a certain state of prayer that's almost beyond prayer, beyond words. And Latin Rite Catholics attest to many marvelous things that have happened to them individually and even to their church as a whole and their parishes. Many Latin Rite Catholics will tell me about the blessings that have come upon their church, their parish, especially vocations, as a result of having Eucharistic adoration, or, or more so, perpetual adoration, where people take shifts and there's always somebody praying before the Eucharist. It's usually in a side chapel or it could be in the church itself, whatever. But the point is, there is perpetual prayer. Somebody is always in the presence of the Eucharist praying. So this is very similar in many ways to this Hesychus movement in the church. This started in the Middle Ages, about the 15th century. That's when St. Gregory Palamas existed. And it grew in its popularity throughout the Eastern churches, and it's also spilled over into the Latin Rite Church. Many Latin Rite Catholics understand the Jesus prayer, but largely the Latin Rite has the Rosary and also Eucharistic Adoration. The Eastern Rites have this Jesus prayer. As I mentioned earlier, the Jesus prayer is said with, looks like a rosary, but it's actually little knots or could be beads, and it's usually carried around the person's wrist so they can say it at any time. The monks used to say it just all day long constantly having the name of Jesus on their lips and on their breath and their heart. And this drew them into an intimacy with Christ, an intimacy with God, an intimacy even within themselves. They came to know themselves even better. And sometimes it's scary to go that deeply into our own heart and selves. Something like what happens with an examination of conscience, it can frighten us. That's why people sometimes avoid this kind of prayer or even going to confession. Because when you get that intimate with God, it can be frightening because you hear the voice of God within us. And that voice is glorious, but it can also be very indicting. But 
It brings us into that intimate union with Jesus Christ, which is the whole point of prayer. In fact, a becoming prayer. When we come back, we're going to talk about a certain focus of prayer for our times. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you This is Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione of the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and you are listening to Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyer, your host of the second Sunday of Lent in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, in which we focus on a prayer, especially the famous Jesus prayer. Very simple. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, our focus of prayer ought to be during this Lent, and this probably will seem obvious by now, and I'm sure you already have been doing it. I don't know what the situation is as of the recording of this program, but certainly, regardless of where it is, the countries of Europe, especially Ukraine, are in need of great prayer, great prayer. And we pray not only for them, but we pray for all world leaders. So this is the prayer of the mind of the church, the way the church prays. Because, and let's face it, if you look at a place of crisis like Ukraine, the things that world leaders do or don't do before, during, and after the crisis are absolutely critical to the crisis what they do before, during, and after. World leaders. After all, it was a world leader that came in and started this whole crisis. So we pray for changes of heart. We pray for courage. We pray for all civil authorities. And we do this in our liturgy over and over again. And in addition, the priest does these prayers even silently for our civil authorities and also our church leaders because they are in need of prayer. 
What the world doesn't understand, and what world leaders don't understand, we can't seem to get this, is that human beings, humanity, is not capable, nor were we designed to handle great power. That's right. There's no human being can handle great power totally virtuously. It's for God to have the ultimate power. We have certain power, although I would call it authority or responsibility. It's supposed to be service to the world, service to people, not power for its own sake. And when we get in positions of great power, we just don't handle them well. And we can really go off the deep end with it. And that's why we need to pray for people who are in authority, especially a leader of a nation, especially huge advanced nations and huge advanced nations with very developed military. They need the most amount of prayers. (laughs) You see, you cannot handle it. No human being can handle power and authority perfectly, especially a great amount of power and authority. So all the more reason that we pray for them. But I'm praying for Ukraine, especially now during this time, it's rather providential that this crisis, this type of crisis, is happening now during this time where we enter into the season of Lent, the season in which we ultimately come to the foot of the cross and are drawn into the very mystery of the cross, and then, of course, Christ's resurrection. Prior to this invasion, of Russia into Ukraine, this great crisis, the world was united in a false kind of way. We were united with the pandemic, but that was a union of fear and anxiety. And our way of coping with it eventually resulted in lots of division, the vax versus the unvaccinated and the mask versus the unmasked. Should we wear them? Should we not? Protest this way, protest this way. Confusion, fear, all kinds of reactions that were divisive because we were full of fear and anxiety, but we were united in that way. It's not a good way, not a healthy way to be united. It was, it was a sick way. We were sick spiritually, psychologically, and physically during this COVID pandemic. Now, there was a lot of virtue that happened too, of course. Humanity had to band together and be thoughtful, but at the same time, there was a lot of division fear, and anxiety, right where the devil wants us. Now, you notice right on the heels of that, as COVID started to kind of die down a bit, significantly enough, right on the heels of that came this crisis in Ukraine. And what's happened now? The whole world is united, united in prayer, in camaraderie, in empathy, and sympathy, united in a vision a witness of virtue, a compassion, the whole world. Nobody is in favor of this war and what's going on. So now we have the country of Ukraine, in a sense, healing the world, bringing the world together. And they are the sacrificial lambs in that process. Look at the mystery of the cross. This is what we're seeing. Putin would be like the Roman emperors, the Pharisaical Jews, and also the other pagans who put Christ on the cross. Christ would be the Ukrainian people, that nation, and the cross is this war. We're seeing the mystery of the cross right during the season in which we focus on the mystery of the cross. 
We're seeing sacrificial love, a witness that is inspiring people. There are people from Ukraine who left because of what's happening, and many of them turned around and came back to be with their family, to be with their country, even if it means they go down with their country in defeat, they are annihilated. They came back to fight, to stand because of the inspiration, the sacrificial, incredible sacrificial witness of the Ukrainian people as they are slaughtered like lambs on the altar of this war. And yet it is the world that has come together in brotherhood, in love and compassion. It's as though God has allowed this. I'm not saying he wanted it. And we all wish God would step in, bring an end to this immediately. Sometimes we wonder where God is. But God has allowed this as he always does because something greater is happening. Maybe as the world looks at this in horror, maybe this will be the dying throes of this kind of action by dictators. This is so archaic, let's face it. It's like back in the days of Attila the Hun or even at the very least, Hitler, you know, rolling tanks into somebody else's country and blowing everything up and beating up on them. That's so archaic. We're so beyond that now. Even with differences among political philosophies throughout the world, we still can get along. We still can share commerce and things together because we are united by certain common things. Certainly, social media has helped in this regard. For all the ills of social media, at the same time, It has brought the world together. People get to know each other from across the pond, across the oceans, and they get to know each other. And as you get to know one another, as you converse with one another, they become real to you. Instead of foreign objects that we have nicknames for that we can easily hurt or kill, they become real people. And we get a glimpse into the situations of real people. And we find out that we're all the same in many ways and that We have common hurts and common needs, and we can see very graphically wherever there is persecution and and hurt inflicted on other human beings. That becomes very graphic to us, very very distasteful to us, and we don't want it. In Russia, the people themselves are protesting by the thousands against Putin. They don't want this. Even if they wanted it, whatever they want out of it, and they don't want this, but even if they did... When they see the brutality, the the unjustifiable brutality inflicted by their leader and how the world is seeing them and their leader, they don't want this. Their hearts are moved. So humanity is coming together in a certain unified sympathy, not out of a disease, but out of a unified sympathy in prayer and empathy. And very much, very likely... The sense that this is not the way. This is not the way we want to live. We're past this already. The world is too united through commerce, social media, all kinds of ways. It's not like it was before, where there's that country, we over there, we don't know who they are. We're not them, so we can beat up on them. We can mistrust them. It's not that way anymore in our world. We're much more connected. And therefore, we can actually empathize with each other much better. All this is a good, but how is it happening? Through something very bad. And this is the mystery of the cross. 
The cross was something bad, remember? It was the worst thing. It was turned into the best thing by Almighty God. And I think he is doing that, the intercession, of course, of his most blessed mother, to whom the Ukrainians have a great devotion. I think that God is doing the same thing. Once again, the mystery of the cross has been implanted in the center of the world for all to see that mystery that where there is sacrifice, even blood sacrifice, for a great cause, that there comes out of that something good and holy and unifying. The cross is what we rally around. It's the unifying symbol of all Christianity. And so once again, during this Lent, when we focus on the mystery of the cross, we were seeing the mission of the cross as real, palpable, in front of our face by the suffering, the example of the people of Ukraine. And conversely, the distaste, the ugliness of pure evil that we do not really want. I want to thank you for listening. Please pray the Jesus prayer, pray the rosary, Pray private prayers any way you can. Pray for Ukraine and for all our leaders of the world. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. This is Father Larry Richards, host of Open Line Thursday. God of love and mercy, we ask you to bless everyone this Lenten season. Help them to truly deny themselves and to embrace you so that they can be instruments of your salvation, to open themselves to you. Bless them now in this Lent, now and forever, in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.